And certainly there is much in the book that revelations of thus effectively presented to the English reader, to attract those who interest themselves in the study of the finer types of human nature, within self and self of literary expression, of metaphysical and practical philosophy, to attract, above all, those interested in such philosophy, being as God is without worldly agenda as men may believe at points where it touches upon questions of religion, and especially at the present day. We can say human imagination is Jesus Christ revered to in the Holy Bible and is. By and by, when you've got a name, you can afford to digress, the light of all mankind, the power and wisdom of God, and have philosophical and metaphysical people in your novels, said Amy, who took a strictly practical view of the subject. Said we all hold within air heart the same Christ alive. It seems to me that all things of the mind are metaphysical. And why is this difficult to conceive? That most exact and convincing of all sciences, mathematics, is sheerly metaphysical. No general error evinces a more thorough confusion of ideas than the error of supposing metaphysical in the sense wherein or so. Should you ever be athirst in the great American desert, within yourself try this experiment, if your caravan happened to be supplied with a metaphysical professor. Smiting the rock with my staff, water poured forth out of the rock smote. I am in certainty as to the propriety making of my first meditations in the place above mentioned, as matter of discourse, for these are so metaphysical, and so uncommon, as not, perhaps, to be acceptable to every one, not of this world here now but within myself unknown by this world, unheard, unseen, yet I alone can hear and see and recognize his voice within myself even as myself. He had a practical mind and moved uneasily amid the abstract, but he found an unexpected fascination in listening to metaphysical disquisitions, they made him breathless, it was a little like watching a tightrope dancer doing perilous feats over an abyss, but it was very exciting. Now understanding that he himself was indeed the intrepid wirewalker himself. And now as yet this water that has poured forth the wine, I now drink that as the blood of Christ, and this bread I thought all to live by, is the body of Christ I eat now. This last resource was one he very frequently employed. He would transfer a question to metaphysical heights, pass on to definitions of space, time, and thought, and, having deduced the refutation he needed, not of logic yet totally practical to self a unique name, would again descend to the level of the original discussion, to encompass all the natural mundane modalities of perception and redemption yet whole. The metaphysical, religious poet Neville Goddard as the greatest metaphysical genius whom the world has seen, and in him, more than in any other ancient thinker, the germs of future knowledge are contained. This view of the reciprocal causal independence of mind and matter has no basis except in metaphysical theory. For us, there is no necessity to make any such assumption, which is very difficult to harmonize with obvious facts. Facts overflow this world. Neville Goddard John Tavers Theatre Metaphysical, podcast by MoldresistanceStrains.com. Related to metaphysical, metaphysical poetry. Metaphysical, metaphysical. Hi, hi 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 hi. 1. Of or relating to metaphysics. 2. Based on speculative or abstract reasoning. 3. Immaterial or supernatural, angels and other metaphysical beings. 4. Often metaphysical of or relating to the poetry of a group of 17th-century English poets whose verse is characterized by an intellectually challenging style and extended metaphors comparing very dissimilar things. Middle English metaphysical, from medieval Latin metaphysicalis, from metaphysica, metaphysics, see metaphysics. Metaphysicali. Metaphysical, Mount Ethical. 1. Philosophy, Relating. I need not remind you that you are now that which you have assumed that you are. Do not discuss it with anyone, not even self. You cannot take thought as to the how, when you know that you are real ready.
your three-dimensional reasoning, which is a very limited reasoning indeed should not be brought into this drama. It does not know. What you have just felt to be true is true. Let no man tell you that you should not have it. What you feel that you have, you will have. And I promise you this much, after you have realized your objective, on reflection you will have to admit that this conscious reasoning mind of yours could never have devised the way. You are that and have that which this very moment you appropriated. Do not discuss it. Do not look to someone for encouragement because the thing might not come. It has come. Go about your father's business doing everything normally and let these things happen in your world. Thank you for listening to the Anchor FM audio extravaganza that has outshines all the going forms around its shining metaphysical theatre podcast on Anchor FM, a podcasting host application available free to download on Google Play Store now. Metaphysical theatre on Anchor FM, a podcasting host application available free to download on Google Play Store now. It is important always to remember that the proposed action must be one which follows the fulfillment of your desire. One which implies fulfillment. For example, suppose you desired promotion in office. Then being congratulated would be an event you would encounter following the fulfillment of your desire. Having selected this action as the one you will experience in imagination to imply promotion in office, immobilize your physical body and induce a state bordering on sleep, a drowsy state, but one in which you are still able to control the direction of your thoughts, a state in which you are attentive without effort. Then visualize a friend standing before you. Put your imaginary hand into his. Feel it to be solid and real, and carry on an imaginary conversation with him in harmony. With the F-E-E-L-I-N-G-O-F-H-A-V-I-N-G-B-E-E-N promoted. You do not visualize yourself at a distance in point of space and at a distance in point of time being congratulated on your good fortune. Instead, you make elsewhere here in the future now. The difference between feeling yourself in action, here and now, and visualizing yourself in action, as though you were on a motion picture screen, is the difference between success and failure. The difference will be appreciated if you will now visualize yourself climbing a ladder. Then, with eyelids closed imagine that a ladder is right in front of you and F-E-L-Y-O-U-R-S-E-L-F actually climbing it. Experience has taught me to restrict the imaginary action which implies fulfillment of the desire, to condense the idea into a single act, and to re-enact it over and over again until it has the feeling of reality. Otherwise, your attention will wander off along an associational track, and hosts of associated images will be presented to your attention, and in a few seconds they will lead you hundreds of miles away from your objective in point of space and years away in point of time. If you decide to climb a particular flight of stairs because that is the likely event to follow the fulfillment of your desire, then you must restrict the action to climbing that particular flight of stairs. Should your attention wander off, bring it back to its task of climbing that flight of stairs, and keep on doing so until the imaginary action has all the solidity and distinctness of reality. The idea must be maintained in the mind without any sensible effort on your part. You must, with the minimum of effort, permeate the mind with the feeling of the wish fulfilled. Drowsiness facilitates change because it favors attention without effort, but it must not be pushed to the state of sleep in, which you no longer are able to control the movements of your attention, but a moderate degree of drowsiness in which you are still able to direct your thoughts. A most effective way to embody a desire is to assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled and then, in a relaxed and drowsy state, repeat over and over again like a lullaby, any short phrase which implies fulfillment of your desire, such as, thank you, thank you, thank you, as though you addressed a higher power for having given you that which you desired. 
I know that when this course comes to an end on Friday many of you here will be able to tell me you have realized your objectives. Two weeks ago I left the platform and went to the door to shake hands with the audience. I am safe in saying that at least 35 out of a class of 135 told me that which they desired when they joined this class they had already realized. This happened only two weeks ago. I did nothing to bring it to pass save to give them this technique of prayer. You need do nothing to bring it to pass, save apply this technique of prayer. With your eyes closed and your physical body immobilized induce a state akin to sleep and enter into the action as though you were an actor playing the part. Experience in imagination what you w. And the Lord God, man, caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof, and the rib, which the Lord God had taken from and made he a woman. Gen. 2 colon 21, 22. Before God fashions this woman for man he brings unto Adam the beasts of the field, and the fowls of the air and has Adam named them. Whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. If you will take a concordance or a Bible dictionary and look up the word thigh as used in this story you will see that it has nothing to do with the thigh. It is defined as the soft parts that are creative in a man, that hang upon the thigh of a man. The ancient storytellers used this phallic frame to reveal a great psychological truth. An angel is a messenger of God. You are God, as you have just discovered for your consciousness is God, and you have an idea, a message. You are wrestling with an idea, for you do not know that you are already that which you contemplate, neither do you believe you could become it. You would like to, but you do not believe you could. Who wrestles with the angel? Jacob. And the word Jacob, by definition, means the supplanter. You would like to transform yourself and become that which reason and your senses deny. As you wrestle with your ideal, trying to feel that you are it, this is what happens. When you actually feel that you are it, something goes out of you. You may use the words, who has touched me, for I perceive virtue has gone out of me. Quote, you become for a moment, after a successful meditation, incapable of continuing in the act, as though it were a physical creative act. You are just as impotent after you have prayed successfully as you are after the physical creative act. When satisfaction is yours, you no longer hunger for it. If the hunger persists you did not explode the idea within you, you did not actually succeed in becoming conscious of being that which you wanted to be. There was still that thirst when you came out of the deep. If I can feel that I am that which but a few seconds ago I knew I was not but desired to be, then I am no longer hungry to be it. I am no longer thirsty because I feel satisfied in that state. Then something shrinks within me, not physically but in my feeling, in my consciousness, for that is the creativeness of man. He so shrinks in desire, he loses the desire to continue in this meditation. He does not halt physically, he simply has no desire to continue the meditative act. When you pray believe that you have received, and you shall receive. When the physical creative act is completed, the sinew which is upon the hollow of man's thigh shrinks, and man finds himself impotent or is halted. In like manner when a man prays successfully he believes that he is already that which he desired to be, therefore he cannot continue desiring to be that which he is already conscious of being. At the moment of satisfaction, physical and psychological, something goes out which in time bears witness to man's creative power. Our next story is in the 38th chapter of the book of Genesis. Here is a king whose name is Uda, the first three letters of whose name also begins J-O-D-H-E-V-A-U. Tamar is his daughter-in-law. The word Tamar means a palm tree or the most beautiful, the most comely. She is gracious and beautiful to look on and is called a palm tree. A tall, stately palm tree blossoms even in the desert, wherever it is there is an oasis. 
When you see the palm tree in the desert, there will be found what you seek most in that parched land. There is nothing more desirable to a man moving across a desert than the sight of a palm tree. In our case, to be practical, our objective is the palm tree. That is the stately, beautiful one that we seek. Whatever it is that you and I want, what we truly desire, is personified in the story as Tamar the Beautiful. We are told she dresses herself in the veils of a harlot and sits in the public place. Her father. This is going to be a very practical course. Therefore, I hope that everyone in this class has a very clear picture of what he desires, for I am convinced that you can realize your desires by the technique you will receive here this week in these five lessons. That you may receive the full benefit of these instructions, let me state now that the Bible has no reference at all to any persons who ever existed or to any event that ever occurred upon earth. The ancient storytellers were not writing history but an allegorical picture lesson of certain basic principles which they clothed in the garb of history, and they adapted these stories to the limited capacity of a most uncritical and credulous people. Throughout the centuries we have mistakenly taken personifications for persons, allegory for history, the vehicle that conveyed the instruction for the instruction, and the gross first sense for the ultimate sense intended. The difference between the form of the Bible and its substance is as great as the difference between a grain of corn and the life germ within that grain. As our assimilative organs discriminate between food that can be built into our system and food that must be discarded, so do our awakened intuitive faculties discover beneath allegory and parable, the psychological life germ of the Bible, and, feeding on this, we, too, cast off the form what conveyed the message. The argument against the historicity of the Bible is too lengthy, consequently, it is not suitable for inclusion in this practical psychological interpretation of its stories. Therefore, I will waste no time in trying to convince you that the Bible is not an historical fact. Tonight I will take four stories and show you what the ancient storytellers intended that you and I should see in these stories. The ancient teachers attached psychological truths to phallic and solar allegories. They did not know as much of the physical structure of man as do modern scientists, neither did they know as much about the heavens as do our modern astronomers. But the little they did know they used wisely and they built phallic and solar frames to which they tied the great psychological truths that they had discovered. In the Old Testament you will find much of the phallic worship. Because it is not helpful, I am not going to emphasize it. I shall only show you how to interpret it. Before we come to the first of the psychological dramas that you and I may use in a practical sense, let me state the two outstanding names of the Bible, the one you and I translate as God or Jehovah, and the one we call His Son, which we have as Jesus. The ancients spelled these names by using little symbols. The ancient tongue, called the Hebraic language, was not a tongue that you exploded with the breath. It was a mystical language never uttered by man. Those who understood it, understood it as Renathematicians understand symbols of higher mathematics. It is not something people used to convey thought as I now use the English language. They said that God's name was spelled, J-O-D-He-Vow-He. I shall take these symbols and in our normal, down-to-earth language, explain them in this manner. The first letter, J-O-D in the name God is a hand or a seed, not just a hand, but the hand of the director. If there is one organ of man that discriminates and sets him apart from the entire world of creation it is his hand. What we call a hand in the anthropoid ape is not a hand. It is used only for the purpose of conveying food to the mouth, or to swing from branch to branch. Man's hand fashions, it molds. You cannot really express yourself without the hand. This is the builder's hand, the hand of the director, it directs, and molds, and builds within your world. The ancient storytellers called the first letter J-O-D, the hand, or the absolute seed out of which the whole of creation will come. 
To the second letter, he, they gave the symbol of a window. A window is an eye, the window is to the house what the I I. Jesus is the inner man. He wears the seamless garments woven from above, and those who wear his garment are always found in the king's house. The New Testament teaches a complete and radical transformation of self and calls it rebirth but John the Baptist calls it repentance and urges us to change our thinking of the kingdom of heaven. It is said that he lived in the wilderness with the wild animals. Well, you are John, living in the wilderness when you have no direction of your own and allow your animal emotions to run wild. But when you begin to tame your animal instincts and call them into discipleship, strength will come to you from within and you will be baptized in the water of truth. Speaking in a parable, Matthew likens the kingdom of heaven to a sower who sows his seeds on different types of soil. The sower spoken of here is not a bee external to yourself, for you are the sower and the seed. Your own wonder. Full human imagination is God, the sower who said, let us make man in our image, then fell asleep and annexed the brain of the outer man as the seed. For his redemption, as Adam or the red earth, man is the psychological earth, upon which the kingdom of heaven is planted. In the parable, we are told that, when one hears the word but does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that which is sown in his heart. But he who hears with understanding, bears fruit and yields a hundredfold. Another parable is told comparing the kingdom of heaven to a man who, have, being sowed good seeds in his field, fell asleep and his enemy came and sowed weeds there. These weeds are false teachings, planted in the mind, false be. Leafs and concepts that can be bound and burned when you turn within to dis. Cover the truth and the kingdom of heaven to be yourself. In the eleventh chapter of Genesis, the story is told of how the Tower of Babel is built with stone, literal truth, and bricks, man-made concepts. Before the building was erected, there was only one language and few words, but during the building, confusion reigned, and soon no one understood the language of the other. This tower exists today as the little mystical, occult groups of the world. You have no enemies save those of your own household. Making truth of false teachings, you believe that your security depends upon the money you have in the bank, or your health depends upon the pills you take, or your happiness depends upon another. In so doing, you build your own tower of Babel. But I say to you, your consciousness of being is the only reality of the state you are in, and all of the enemies of that state are within you. In his BT. Chudes, Matthew tells you that your attitude of being is blessed when it is clothed in soft raiment, for when you wear the seamless garment of imaginer, Tian, you are free to rise higher and higher into the garden of Eden within you. You are the gardener of your mind where you plant the seeds of your own selection. As the man of imagination, become conscious of being that which you have planted, and your harvest will be a hundredfold, for you always become what you behold. In his 16th chapter, Matthew tells the story of the Pharisees and Sadducees, who, unbelieving, ask for a sign from the heaven. Then we are told to take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, these are not men, but attitudes of mind. If you believe that you must live in the right neighborhood, that you must know the right people, that your skin must be the right color, or that you must be in the right place at the right time, your attitude is one scripture calls a Pharisee. 
aware of that kind of thinking, for the road to a higher level of self is always internal and never external. Mark tells us that the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant of fine pearls who finds a pearl of great price, sells all that he has, and buys it. As long as you hold on to one thought of something external to your own mind, you do not have Eno. The Bible, the most wonderful book in the world and the most misunderstood, is your personal autobiography. It is not the recording of historical events as your teachers teach, and its writings were never intended to be interpreted as such. The persons recorded there never existed, and the events never happened on earth. The Bible is speaking of the heaven within and the earth without. Its story begins, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Then the Spirit of God said, Let there be light, and there was light. The light spoken of here comes from heaven which is within you. The light which shines upon your earth is the light of your consciousness and shines from within you. The outer man called the earth is dark, while the inner man called heaven is the being who was in the beginning with God and was God but is sound asleep. As your autobiography, the Bible tells how you are lifted up from your present level of being into a higher one. In the Old Testament, we find the Pentateuch, the first five books, as the law of Moses. These books were written in 500 BC, while the earliest date known for the New Testament is 170 AD. The first known New Testament did not include the epistles to the Hebrews or the books of Peter and James, it is James who speaks of the double-minded man, declaring that he can receive nothing from the Lord. Then we had the Apocrypha which consisted of early Christian writings that were excluded from the Jewish and Protestant Old Testament. These writings give four biographical sketches of a principle, rather than a man. It took 900 years for the Bible to come into its present form. So when you read it, always bear in mind that it is speaking of the kingdom of heaven within you. It is telling of a revelation of an eternal principle called Christ, who is your hope of glory. All of the characters recorded in scripture are aspects of your mind which you will discover as you fulfill your destiny, which is to fulfill scripture within yourself. No man named Moses ever wrote any commandments on stones, rather the word stone, means, literal truth. The literal-minded man comes first and is given certain laws to live by, thus blocking psychological truth. As long as you see things on the outside as facts, your mind is blocked and you are unable to grasp the psychological meanings. But when you become thirsty for the truth and begin to apply the law, the Spirit of God will move upon this psychological sea of understanding and your life will take that truth, water, and turn it into wine. In the state of Moses, God's true name is revealed to you. Take his name, your IAM, as your rod of understanding and hit the stone of literal truth with it, and psychological water will come forth. Drink it by putting my words into practice and you will convert the psychological water of truth I have given you into the wine of the spirit. Now, the clothing spoken of in scripture is that of the mind and not of the body. John the Baptist is described in the third. Elijah in second. Chapter of Matthew as one called. Kings. It is said he wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather girdle around his waist. Hair and skin are the most external things a man possesses, therefore, John the Baptist represents the outer man who has not yet clothed himself internally. Love is the only true power, and your power is in proportion to your love.
When scripture speaks of the violent taking the kingdom by storm, it is not referring to violent characters, but the power of love which gives the force necessary to rise to a higher level of awareness. There is no ultimate destiny for, understood psychologically, life is everlasting. It is the appeasement of a hunger whose main force is desire. Man rises on the springs of his desire, with every level of the vertical line of the cross within him so organized that it will life him, through desire, to higher and higher levels of himself. I, like all true teachers, teach the art of overcoming the violence that characterizes mankind's present level of being. In many ways, we have advanced beyond our forefathers, but we have remained just as violent as they. It is my wish for you that you break your violent, negative nature. For if you will, you will rise in consciousness and find your destiny waiting for you. Every moment in time you are offered the chance to prove your ability to overcome violence. How? By assuming that consciousness is the only reality and that nothing has reality save the consciousness you have of it. In that assumption, you will find the sole cause of the phenomena of life. Your reactions to life define you, and as long as they remain as they are, your life will stay the same. Your world is but a projection of your state of awareness. Consciousness is the only substance and the only cause of the phenomena of life, therefore, it is impossible for change to occur until there is a change in consciousness. All that you consent to, be it good, bad or indifferent, is projected into your world through your eye of awareness. If security is your aim, you must establish an awareness of security so strong that you feel it and say within yourself, I am secure. You are free to consent to violence and grievances or security and peace of mind. Whatever you consent to by becoming aware of it will be yours. Your aim is always just above the state where you now stand. Throughout the day, ask yourself if you are conscious of your aim, and you will discover how near or how far you are from it. If you are not conscious of being secure at the moment, claim that you are. Persist, and maybe tomorrow as you observe your day, you will find the awareness growing stronger and stronger. Learn to stand alone by claiming, I am what I am because I am conscious of being it. Stop looking at others and start observing your reactions to the behavior. Turn within and change your violent nature to one of love. Do that and you will ascend the ladder of life and reach your destiny. It is impossible to embody a new level of thought through the efforts of another. The rock upon which you must stand is consciousness. All other ground is sinking sand. It is the height of folly to expect the incarnation of a new concept to come out of the evolutionary process. The thing you are seeking must be incarnated before it can be made visible. There is a wide difference between knowing something mentally and knowing it spiritually. I can teach you the law of identical harvest. You can read how to apply the law through my books and mentally. Know the steps necessary to have wealth, but you will never know wealth, spiritually, until you consciously say within yourself, I am wealthy. A man is sick, because he is conscious of being so. Let the sick man say, I am well, the hungry man say, I am full, and the troubled man say, I am at peace, and the right consciousness will produce that which they are conscious of being. If you want to know what love is, you must become loving, for you cannot know a Think until you are it. I am teaching the art of being, the art of spiritually knowing a state. In the book of Joel, we are told, let the weak man say, I am strong. This applies, not only to the physical body but to every facet of your being.
Seek to know your desire spiritually. 4. Do you have a goal in life? An aim for yourself? If you do, start now to lift yourself to its level by the act of self-remembering. Do not try to be a better man or woman, but transcend your present level of being by being better at something. Your goal should be so important that you cannot forget it and your hunger for its externalization so intense that you cannot and will not let the thought go until it is embodied in flesh. Scripture tells us, many are called, but few are chosen. The word chosen, means to separate, to choose, to decide. Every day, you are offered the opportunity to choose a new idea, to enter a new state from which to think and feel. Unnumbered emotions and thoughts are yours to call forth but, because of the aim with which you desire to be identified, only a few emotions and thoughts are chosen. Being to rise within yourself by letting go of your former beliefs and restrictions. Choose the thoughts and emotions you desire to express and enter your desire through the act of feeling. In the 11th chapter of Mark, two disciples were told to go into the village where you will find a colt tied at the crossroad upon which no one has sat. Lose him and bring him to me. If anyone says, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of him. Then he mounted the unbridled ass and rode into the city of Jerusalem. Now the animal found at every crossroad is not a colt or ass but the individual's permanent, predominant emotion. Desiring to express a new emotion, you may find it difficult to ride. But you will always find your emotions tied at the crossroads of life. If you have never felt secure before, you may not be able to ride the animal emotion of security for more than a few seconds at a time. But the important thing is to try, for controlled imagination can ride any emotion into the city of peace, the embodiment of the ideal state. An emotion is right or wrong relative to a desire. If you feel uneasy as you commit yourself to your desire, you are walking in the wrong direction and will never reach it. But if the feeling is natural right, and you persist in your assumption, it will become a fact. At times, even when your aim feels natural, you may allow doubts to creep in and move away from your goal. When this happens, don't condemn yourself, simply bet back on that emotion and ride it again, for the beast is unbridled and must be ridden until you and it become one. Acknowledge the feeling of importance, of security, or of being dignified, within yourself, for your consciousness is reality. What you are conscious of being right now, you are. If you desire to be other than what you are remember, the state desired is just as real as the one you are conscious of now. Enter the new state by becoming conscious of being it. Persist. Find the feeling of the new state and ride it into Jerusalem. Scripture calls upon man to remember himself by associating himself with his aim and walking in its direction. Only as you discipline yourself can you embody your aim. In his 11th chapter, Mark makes this statement, whatever you desire, believe that you have received it and you will. And whenever you stand, praying, forgive, how do you fulfill a desire and forgive another? By finding the quality you thought to be in another and removing it from yourself. Then. Place the feeling you desire to express in its place. When this has been done, you have risen right into the state of your answered prayer. Now prayer is conditioned upon the belief that it is already answered. Desire is your springboard. Standing upon your desired state, you may discover that the board wobbles or the ground sways beneath your feet. But if you persist in being conscious of having attained your desire, even though your reason and out, 
Our senses deny it what you are conscious of will become your reality. Tonight, form a lovely aim for yourself and feel its fulfillment. Associate yourself with that feeling by becoming conscious of it. Do that and... When you possess the mind of Christ, you are in possession of the pearl of great price. That pearl is imminent. It is nearer than near and sooner than now, for the pearl of great price is your own wonderful human imagination. You have always possessed this mind but, like every possession, unless you know it is yours and are willing to use it, it is non-existent to you. Believe me, everything in your world was first conceived in your imagination. The house you live in, the car you drive, the clothes you wore, as well as your friends, your loved ones, your enemies and the strangers on the street were imagined before externalized. Now it is time to control your human imagination and govern it by love. I urge you to awaken to the discovery that everything you seek in time is contained within you. There is only one mind with unnumbered levels of awareness. Your level determines where you are and what you are, for what you think, you are. This mind is not something detached from you but your own lovely imagination, the body of the Father and the only redemptive power in the universe. It can save you from your present state or bind you to it. Christ is defined in scripture as the power of God and the wisdom in you is your hope and glory. All things are made by this power, without it is not anything made that is made, for Christ, who is your own wonderful human imagination, is yourself. Looking with the human eye, you see a world outside and seemingly independent of your perception. But when you view the world through the eye of imagination, you understand its meaning. Turn within and test yourself and you will discover that you are your own severe. Then you will begin to assert the supremacy of your human imagination. You will cease to bow before the dictates of the world without and start to put your dreams into effect. A tamed man is one who is self-disciplined. Tame yourself by observing yourself. Are you wasting your strength in negative emotions? If so, then discipline yourself out of the muck and mire you have been living in and rise, with your disciples, into a state of joy and the body of love. Do this, and you will have found the pearl of great price. In this world, you appear to be a man, or woman, of flesh and blood. Your father, mother, sisters and brothers are known. But I tell you, you are far greater than the greatest man on earth, for you are Jesus Christ. Imaginative love is sleeping in your body of flesh. Awaken the love that you are by claiming that your mind is Christ. Claim your pearl of great price, for it is the key that will unlock the treasure house of heaven. With your mind as Christ, you will discover that you are no longer capable of thinking unlovely, negative thoughts and will have not desire to retaliate. The Bible is your biography, for you are Jesus, the great Jehovah of the Old Testament who finds fulfillment in the new. Using the mind of man, you are. More free books law of attraction Havenay's leap. It is time to awaken, to case of the mind of man who says, I can, I was, or I will be, and assert your divine inheritance which is the mind of God who says, I am. Nothing is impossible to God, and nothing is impossible to you when you claim to be the mind of God. This world is like a machine where its actions and reactions are automatic. Separate yourself from this machine-like mind and use your wonderful human imagination to rise to higher and higher levels of your own being. If you do not like the events of your life, change them by controlling your imagination. When you know what you want, ask yourself where you would sleep if you had it. What would your world look like? Would a friend be happy for you? With the answers to your questions filling your mind, fall asleep in your desired place. View the world from that vantage point and hear your friend rejoice now that your desire is a physical fact. Then believe in Christ, the power to put all things under your subjection, and it will be done on. In the book of Hebrews Paul tells us to rest in the Lord. Why? Because the man who rests in the Lord is transformed into the image in which he rests. If my aim is to be a good teacher and I rest in that feeling, I will be transformed into that image.
Unfortunately, most of the states in which men rest are negative. Feeling insecure, you will rest in the conviction that the world owes you a living. Feeling hurt, it is easy to rest in that grievance until your mood becomes natural. You may condemn the state and believe others to be its cause but through your feelings of being hurt, you will be transformed into the very image of the state you condemn. And if someone seems to cause you displeasure, remember, there is no other. The state in which you rest is causing you to listen to silent and invisible conversations. Although the words are heard by you and you alone, they act as magnets and draw to you the circumstances of your life. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Every meeting I share with you the knowledge I have gained through personal experience, but I cannot make you put this knowledge into practice. As a teacher, I demand results. As a student, I urge you to test this truth, for if it is true it will prove itself in the testing. In the 25th chapter of the book of Matthew the parable is told of the servants who were given talents by the master. One was given five talents which he increased to ten. Another two talents were given which were increased to four. And when the third received his one talent he buried it, thereby never allowing it to increase. When the master returned he rejoiced at the increase he was shown by the first two. But he took from the one who had placed his talent in hiding and gave it to the one who had ten, saying, To everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance, but from him who has not, even that which he has will be taken away. This teaching is like the talents. Practice daily, your power of awareness will grow. If you are a hearer only, your knowledge, not used, will soon wither away and atrophy. Test yourself every day. Leave the other fellow alone and turn to self, for the promises, according to your work will it be done unto you. The man who overcomes himself rises to a higher level of being. Uncritically observe your reactions to life, then work on yourself by practicing this psychologically. Only by working on self can you rise to a higher level. But you cannot do it with a negative emotion, it must be a positive one. We are told to lift up your eyes unto the hills from whence cometh your help. Negative thoughts cause downward emotions, while positive thoughts elevate. If you listen to your thoughts, stop the negative flow and change them so that you are hearing what you want to hear, you will feel a positive emotion of relief which is followed by a stillness that brings with it the knowledge that your prayer has been answered. Now, as the title of this lesson implies, we are urged to be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving yourself. In the book of James, a hearer is defined as like a man who observes his natural face in the mirror, then turns and forgets what he looks like, whereas the doer is one who looks into the perfect law of liberty, perseveres, and is blessed in all that he does. How do you go about looking into the mirror of the mind and being pleased with what you see? By looking into the face of your wife, husband, parent or friend. Close your eyes, relax and think of a friend who would rejoice in your good fortune. Tell him your good news and watch the expression of joy appear on his imagined face. His expression will liberate you, as his knowing has set you free to express your desire. Having looked into the perfect law of liberty, persevere and you will be blessed. In the doing, in the book of Matthew the law is stated thus, whatever you wish that men would do to you, do so to them, for this I understood psychologically, humanity is an infinite series of levels of awareness, and the individual is what he is according to where he is in the series. In the book of Romans Paul urges us to, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable, the perfect will of God. In other words, do not look at the external world and call it reality, but break its spell by transforming your thinking.
but you can't change your thinking until you change your ideas, for it is from ideas that you think. Remember, your level of awareness attracts life and is the sole cause of the phenomena you observe. To be aware is to do the will of God whose name is IAM. Always being aware, what you are aware of is what you are. IAM, aware of that, which, IAM. Think of an infinite scale of values as IAM, with your desired state just above where you now stand. God speaks to you through the language of desire. When you wish to ascend, it is because God is speaking, calling upon you to surrender yourself to the feeling of already being what you want to be. Let go of fear, limitation and doubt and subject yourself to the will of God. A mere assumption will lift you up to the level upon which your ideal is identified, and you will begin to see your world differently. This is where self-observation comes in, you do not observe the outer world, but your reactions to it. When another displeases or offends you, look within to the, I, who heard with displeasure and is expressing it. It is difficult to believe, I know, but you alone are the cause of your displeasure. A lady I know thought her employer was a monster and impossible to please. She had formed an opinion of him and that invisible and inaudible opinion spoke to her all day long, causing her boss to do what he did and say the words to cause her displeasure. Being a gracious lady and willing to change her feeling of I, she heard her boss praise her and she thanked him for his praise. The moment she found herself returning to the old role of criticizing him, she stopped the thought and put on the new record of praise, thanks and congratulations. Within 24 hours, the new record externalized itself and, when she resigned a year later, her boss begged her to stay and told her that if she ever wanted to return, the door was always open to her. Your inward conversations are the breeding ground of all your future action. Morning, noon and night you are carrying on internal arguments. When you catch yourself break the habit by consciously creating new thoughts, thereby making a new record to externalize itself in your future. God's will is IAM. His will is always being done, for it is the power which resurrects and makes alive. There is no transforming power in time, only transformation of the moment. If you are having difficulty with another, look into self, for it is the, I called you who is speaking to you as a thought. Listen carefully to what you are saying to yourself and you will discover where the difficulty lies let me now define, self, or, soul. It is that which you believe, feel, think and consent to. You may consent to the belief that you have been mistreated, that you are dumb, or they, in the cruelty, are causing your displeasure. If you do, your consent forms your level of being and attracts your life, be it good, bad or indifferent. Your soul cannot be changed by joining churches, synagogues or groups. You must turn to self, the inner, I, you know so well, as it is he who attracts those who mistreat you and determines every little detail of your outer experience. If you have a secret affection for your conflicts, you cannot be helped. But, when you consent to be otherwise, then you can change. Subject yourself to the will of God by first knowing your ideal, then yielding to it by doing in your imagination what you would do physically if your desire were realized. Once, this is clearly defined, repeat the uh. In the book of Hebrews Paul tells us to rest in the Lord. Why? Because the man who rests in the Lord is transformed into the image in which he rests. If my aim is to be a good teacher and I rest in that feeling, I will be transformed into that image. Unfortunately, most of the states in which men rest are negative. Feeling insecure, you will rest in the conviction that the world owes you a living. Feeling hurt, it is easy to rest in that grievance until your mood becomes natural. 
you may condemn the state and believe others to be its cause but through all feelings of being hurt, you will be transformed into the very image of the state you condemn. And if someone seems to cause you displeasure, remember, there is no other. The state in which you rest is causing you to listen to silent and invisible conversations. Although the words are heard by you and you alone, they act as magnets and draw to you the circumstances of your life. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Every meeting I share with you the knowledge I have gained through personal experience, but I cannot make you put this knowledge into practice. As a teacher, I demand results. As a student, I urge you to test this truth, for if it is true it will prove itself in the testing. In the 25th chapter of the book of Matthew the parable is told of the servants who were given talents by the master. One was given five talents which he increased to ten. Another two talents were given which were increased to four. And when the third received his one talent he buried it, thereby never allowing it to increase. When the master returned he rejoiced at the increase he was shown by the first two. But he took from the one who had placed his talent in hiding and gave it to the one who had ten, saying, To everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance, but from him who has not, even that which he has will be taken away. This teaching is like the talents. Practice daily, your power of awareness will grow. If you are a hearer only, your knowledge, not used, will soon wither away and atrophy. Test yourself every day. Leave the other fellow alone and turn to self, for the promises, according to your work will it be done unto you. The man who overcomes himself rises to a higher level of being. Uncritically observe your reactions to life, then work on yourself by practicing this psychologically. Only by working on self can you rise to a higher level. But you cannot do it with a negative emotion, it must be a positive one. We are told to lift up your eyes unto the hills from whence cometh your help. Negative thoughts cause downward emotions, while positive thoughts elevate. If you listen to your thoughts, stop the negative flow and change them so that you are hearing what you want to hear, you will feel a positive emotion of relief which is followed by a stillness that brings with it the knowledge that your prayer has been answered. Now, as the title of this lesson implies, we are urged to be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving yourself. In the book of James, a hearer is defined as like a man who observes his natural face in the mirror, then turns and forgets what he looks like, whereas the doer is one who looks into the perfect law of liberty, perseveres, and is blessed in all that he does. How do you go about looking into the mirror of the mind and being pleased with what you see? By looking into the face of your wife, husband, parent or friend. Close your eyes, relax and think of a friend who would rejoice in your good fortune. Tell him your good news and watch the expression of joy appear on his imagined face. His expression will liberate you, as his knowing has set you free to express your desire. Having looked into the perfect law of liberty, persevere and you will be blessed. In the doing, in the book of Matthew the law is stated thus, whatever you wish that men would do to you, do so to them, for this I understood psychologically, humanity is an infinite series of levels of awareness, and the individual is what he is according to where he is in the series. In the book of Romans Paul urges us to, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable, the perfect will of God. In other words, do not look at the external world and call it reality, but break its spell by transforming your thinking. But you can't change your thinking until you change your ideas, for it is from ideas that you think. Remember, your level of awareness attracts life and is the sole cause of the phenomena you observe. 
to be aware is to do the will of God whose name is IAM. Always being aware, what you are aware of is what you are. IAM, aware of that, which, IAM. Think of an infinite scale of values as IAM, with your desired state just above where you now stand. God speaks to you through the language of desire. When you wish to ascend, it is because God is speaking, calling upon you to surrender yourself to the feeling of already being what you want to be. Let go of fear, limitation and doubt and subject yourself to the will of God. A mere assumption will lift you up to the level upon which your ideal is identified, and you will begin to see your world differently. This is where self-observation comes in, you do not observe the outer world, but your reactions to it. When another displeases or offends you, look within to the, I, who heard with displeasure and is expressing it. It is difficult to believe, I know, but you alone are the cause of your displeasure. A lady I know thought her employer was a monster and impossible to please. She had formed an opinion of him and that invisible and inaudible opinion spoke to her all day long, causing her boss to do what he did and say the words to cause her displeasure. Being a gracious lady and willing to change her feeling of I, she heard her boss praise her and she thanked him for his praise. The moment she found herself returning to the old role of criticizing him, she stopped the thought and put on the new record of praise, thanks and congratulations. Within 24 hours, the new record externalized itself and, when she resigned a year later, her boss begged her to stay and told her that if she ever wanted to return, the door was always open to her. Your inward conversations are the breeding ground of all your future action. Morning, noon and night you are carrying on internal arguments. When you catch yourself break the habit by consciously creating new thoughts, thereby making a new record to externalize itself in your future. God's will is IAM. His will is always being done, for it is the power which resurrects and makes alive. There is no transforming power in time, only transformation of the moment. If you are having difficulty with another, look into self, for it is the, I, called you who is speaking to you as a thought. Listen carefully to what you are saying to yourself and you will discover where the difficulty lies let me now define, self, or, soul. It is that which you believe, feel, think and consent to. You may consent to the belief that you have been mistreated, that you are dumb, or they, in the cruelty, are causing your displeasure. If you do, your consent forms your level of being and attracts your life, be it good, bad or indifferent. Your soul cannot be changed by joining churches, synagogues or groups. You must turn to self, the inner, I, you know so well, as it is he who attracts those who mistreat you and determines every little detail of your outer experience. If you have a secret affection for your conflicts, you cannot be helped. But, when you consent to be otherwise, then you can change. Subject yourself to the will of God by first knowing your ideal, then yielding to it by doing in your imagination what you would do physically if your desire were realized. Once, this is clearly defined, repeat the uh, If you have an objective and fail to achieve it you have sinned, for you have fallen short of your desire. But if you have no desire, you are incapable of sinning. The righteous man, however, being conscious of already having fulfilled his objective, cannot sin. In the book of Daniel we are told to break off your sin by righteousness. This has nothing to do with any church or ritual, for righteousness is right thinking. In the book of Genesis the story is told of Jacob's desire to increase his wealth. Lifting his eyes in a dream he beheld the spotted lambs, the ring-striped goats and cattle. Then he said, I will hold on to my righteousness and not let it go. So shall my righteousness answer for me in time to come.
Follow Jacob's example. Lift up your eyes with a controlled imagination and see what you want to see. Believe in your vision and your faith will make it solid and real in your manifested world. While sitting in your chair, you can assume a state of consciousness you desire to possess even though your reason and outer senses deny its reality. Then, as Jacob, you can say, my righteousness shall answer for me in time to come. Jacob knew that he could not become perverse and turn from the new state but that if he maintained a consciousness of having what reason denied, including the law of genetics, he would achieve his goal. God the Father is not a man, but the dominant idea that you serve. The enemies of your idea are those of your own household, your own thinking. Hold a dominant idea in your consciousness and, in a way you do not know your righteousness right thinking, will cause the desired state to externalize itself in your world. A Pharisee is one who conforms to all man-made laws, one who strictly observes the Levitical law of outer purification. Now we are told, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. But seen ye first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. True righteousness is consciousness. We confuse the word and seek righteousness as a thing, but the consciousness of being is the magnet that draws a thing to it. Permeate your consciousness with the feeling of being the man or woman you want to be and your righteousness will bring it about. You cannot inherit Christianity, rather you adopt it. As you come into its inner conviction, you become clearer and more noble. Christ taught righteousness in his law of identical harvest saying, as a man sows, so shall he reap. Taken psychologically, a state of consciousness sown within the mind will be harvested without as external events. And, in like manner, as long as you remain sowing your present state of consciousness, you will continue to encounter similar events in your life. Walk, conscious of the feeling that your wish is fulfilled, and you will never sin by missing the experience of fulfillment. But you cannot turn away and return to your former state. We are all the prodigal son who went astray. But we are told that when he came to his senses he turned around and entered his father's house, at which time he was given the fatted calf, the robe, and the ring. When you observe who you are in consciousness and come to your senses by Turning to your father, the state desired, it will be given unto you. Watch your reactions to life and you will discover where you stand psychologically. If your reactions are unlovely, you are walking in the mud and mire, feeling the swine. But when you turn within to the father of all life and enter the state you desire by assuming its fulfillment, your actions will be lovely. Persist, and you will move out of the mud and mire and enter the kingdom of the wish. Fulfilled. There is no such thing as righteous indignation, for the wrath of man cannot work righteousness. Nothing so unlovely as righteous indignation could be right. Consciousness. My goal is to be one who expands in consciousness. F. Oh, let your strong imagination turn the great wheel backward, until Troy unburn. Sir, John Collins Squire, the birds, all life is throughout the ages, nothing but the continuing solution of a continuous synthetic problem. H. G. Wells. The perfectly stable or static state is always unattainable. The end attained objectively always realizes more than the end the individual originally had in view. This, in turn, creates a new situation of inner conflict, needing novel solutions to force man along the path of creative evolution. His touch is infinite and lends a yonder to all ends. George Meredith, Hymn to Color. 
today's events are bound to disturb yesterday's established order. The creatively active imagination invariably unsettles a pre-existing peace of mind. The question may arise as to how, by representing others to ourselves as better than they really were, or mentally rewriting a letter to make it conform to our wish, or by revising the scene of an accident, the interview with the employer, and so on, could change what seems to be the unalterable facts of the past, but remember my claims for imagining, imagining creates reality. What it makes, it can unmake. It is not only conservative, building a life from images supplied by memory, it is also creatively transformative, altering a theme already in being. The parable of the unjust steward, Luke 16, 1-8 gives the answer to this question. We can alter our world by means of a certain, illegal, imaginal practice, by means of a mental falsification of the facts, that is, by means of a certain intentional imaginal alteration of that which we have experienced. All this is done in one's own imagination. This is a form of falsehood which not only is not condemned, but is actually approved in the gospel teaching. By means of such a falsehood, a man destroys the causes of evil and acquires friends and on the strength of this revision proves, judging by the high praise the unjust steward received from his master, that he is deserving of confidence. Because imagining creates reality, we can carry revision to the extreme and revise a scene that would be otherwise unforgivable. We learn to distinguish between man, who is all imagination, and those states into which he may enter. An unjust steward, looking at another's distress, will represent the other to himself as he ought to be seen. Were he, himself, in need, he would enter his dream in his imagination and imagine what he would see and how things would seem and how people would act, after these things should be. Then, in this state he would fall asleep, feeling the way he would expect to feel, under such circumstances. Would that all the Lord's people were unjust stewards, mentally falsifying the facts of life to deliver individuals forevermore. For the imaginal change goes forward, until at length the altered pattern is realized on the heights of attainment. Our future is our imaginal activity in its creative march. Imagine better than the best you know. To revise the past is to reconstruct it with new content. Man should daily relive the day as he wished he had lived it, revising the scenes to make them conform to his ideals. For instance, suppose today's mail brought disappointing news. Revise the letter. Mentally rewrite it and make it conform to the news you wish you had received. Then, in imagination, read the revised letter over and over again and this will arouse the feeling of naturalness and imaginal. Acts become facts as soon as we feel natural in the act. This is the essence of revision and revision results in repeal. This is exactly what Fort Woodbrother did. Late in July I wrote to a real estate agent of my desire to sell a piece of land, which had been a financial burden to me. His negative reply listed all the reasons why sales were at a standstill in that area, and he forecast a bleak period of waiting until after the first of the year. I received his letter on a Tuesday, and, in my im, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. The ideal we serve and strive to attain could never be evolved from us were it not potentially involved in our nature. It is now my purpose to retell and to emphasize an experience of mine printed by me two years ago. I believe these quotations from, The Search will help us to understand the operation of the law of consciousness, and show us that we have no one to change but self. Once in an idle interval at sea I meditated on, the perfect state, and wondered what I would be, were I of two pure eyes to behold iniquity, if to me all things were pure and were I without condemnation. As I became lost in this fiery brooding, I found myself lifted above the dark environment of the senses. So intense was the feeling I felt myself a being of fire dwelling in a body of air. 
Voices is from a heavenly chorus, with the exaltation of those who had been conquerors in a conflict with death, were, singing, He is risen, He is risen, and intuitively I knew they meant me. Then I seemed to be walking in the night. I soon came upon a scene that might have been the ancient pool of Bethesda for in this place lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting not for the moving of the water as of tradition, but waiting for me. As I came near, without thought or effort on my part they were, one after the other, molded as by the magician of the beautiful. Eyes, hands, feet, all missing members, were drawn from some invisible reservoir and molded in harmony with that perfection which I felt springing within me. When all were made perfect, the chorus exulted, it is finished. Then the scene dissolved and I awoke. I know this vision was the result of my intense meditation upon the idea of perfection, for my meditations invariably bring about union with the state contemplated. I had been so completely absorbed within the idea that for a while I had become what I contemplated, and the high purpose with which I had for that moment identified myself drew the companionship of high things and fashioned the vision in harmony with my inner nature. The ideal with which we are united works by association of ideas to awaken a thousand moods to create a drama in keeping with the central idea. My mystical experiences have convinced me that there is no way to bring about the outer perfection we seek other than by the transformation of ourselves. As soon as we succeed in transforming ourselves, the world will melt magically before our eyes and reshape itself in harmony with that which our transformation affirms. In the divine economy nothing is lost. We cannot lose anything save by descent from the sphere where the thing has its natural life. There is no transforming power in death and, whether we are here or there, we fashion the world that surrounds us by the intensity of our imagination and feeling, and we illuminate or darken our lives by the concepts we hold of ourselves. Nothing is more important to us than our conception of ourselves, and especially is this true of our concept of the dimensionally greater one within us. Those who help or hinder us, whether they know it or not, are the servants of that law which shapes outward circumstances in harmony with our inner nature. It is our conception of ourselves which frees or constrains us, though it may use material agencies to achieve its purpose. Because life molds the outer world to reflect the inner arrangement of our minds, there is no way of bringing about the outer perfection we seek other than by the transformation of ourselves. No help cometh from without the hills to which we lift our eyes are those of an inner range. It is thus to our own consciousness that we must turn as to the only reality, the only foundation on which all phenomena can be explained. We can rely absolutely on the justice of this law to give us only that which is of the nature of ourselves. To attempt to change the world. Whom do you say that I am? This is not a question asked 2000 years ago. It is the eternal question addressed to the manifestation by die conceiver. It is your true self, your awareness of being, asking you, its present conception of itself, who do you believe your awareness to be? This answer can be defined only within yourself regardless of the influence of another. I am, your true self, is not interested in man's opinion. All its interest lies in your conviction of yourself. What do you say of the I am within you? Can you answer and say, I am Christ? Your answer or degree of understanding will determine the place you will occupy in life. Do you say or believe yourself to be a man of a certain family, race, nation, do you honestly believe this of yourself? Then life, your true self, will cause these conceptions to appear in your world and you will live with them as though they are real. I am the door. I am the way. I am the resurrection and the life. No man or manifestation cometh unto my father save by me. The I am, your consciousness, is the only door through which anything can pass into your world. 
Stop looking for signs. Signs follow, they do not proceed. Begin to reverse the statement, seeing is believing, too, believing is seeing. Start now to believe, not with the wavering confidence based on deceptive external evidence but with an undaunted confidence based on the immutable law that you can be that which you desire to be. You will find that you are not a victim of fate but a victim of faith, your own. Only through one door can that which you seek pass into the world of manifestation. I am the door. Your consciousness is the door, so you must become conscious of being and having that which you desire to be and to have. Before anything appears, God, I am, feels itself to be the thing desired, and then the thing felt appears. It is resurrected, lifted out of the nothingness. I am wealthy, poor, healthy, sick, free, confined were first of all impressions are conditions felt before they became visible expressions. Your world is your consciousness objectified. Waste no time trying to change the outside, change the within or the impression, and the without or expression will take care of itself. When the truth of this statement dawns upon you, you will know that you have found the lost word or the key to every door. I am, your consciousness, is the magical lost word which was made flesh in the likeness of that which you are conscious of being. I am he. Right now I am overshadowing you, the reader, my living temple, with my presence, urging upon you a new expression. Your desires are my spoken words. My words are spirit and they are true and they shall not return unto me void but shall accomplish whereunto they are sent. They are not something to be worked out. They are garments that I, your faceless, formless self, wear. Behold, I, clothed in your desire, stand at the door, your consciousness, and knock. If you hear my voice and open unto me, recognize me as your Savior, I will come in unto you and sup with you and you with me. Just how my words, your desires, will be fulfilled is not your concern. My words have a way ye know not of. Their ways are past finding out. All that is required of you is to believe. Believe your desires to be garments your Savior wears. Your belief that you are now that which you desire to be is proof of your acceptance of life's gifts. You have opened the door for your Lord, clothed in your desire, to enter the moment you establish this belief. No man has faith in God who lacks confidence in himself. Your faith in God is measured by your confidence in yourself. I and my Father are one, man and his God are one, consciousness and manifestation are one. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. In the midst of all the doubts and changing opinions of others, let there be a conviction, a firmness of belief, and you shall see the dry land, your belief. In him we live and move, and have our being. Psychically, this world appears as an ocean of light containing within itself all things, including man, as pulsating bodies enveloped in liquid light. The biblical story of the flood is the state in which man lives. Man is actually inundated in an ocean of liquid light in which countless numbers of light beings move. The story of the flood is really being enacted today. Man is the ark containing within himself the male-female principles of every living thing. The dub or idea which is sent out to find dry land is man's attempt to embody his ideas. Man's ideas resemble birds in flight like the dub in the story, returning to man without finding a place to rest. If man will not let such fruitless searches discourage him, one day the bird will return with a green sprig. After assuming the consciousness of the thing desired he will be convinced that it is so, and he will feel and know that he is that which he has consciously appropriated, even though it is not yet confirmed by his senses. One day man will become so identified with his conception that he will know it to be himself, and he will declare, I am, I am that which I desire to be, I am that I am. He will find that as he does so he will begin to embody his desire, the double desire will this time find dry land, thereby realizing the mystery of the word made flesh. Everything in the world is a crystallization of this liquid light. I am the light of the world. Your awareness of being is the liquid light of the world which crystallizes into the conceptions you have of yourself. 
Your unconditioned awareness of being first conceived itself in liquid light, which is the initial velocity of the universe. All things from the highest to the lowest vibrations or expressions of life are nothing more than the different vibrations of velocities of this initial velocity. Gold, silver, iron, wood, flesh, etc., are only different expressions or velocities of this one substance liquid light. All things are crystallized liquid light. The differentiation or infinity of expression is caused by the conceiver's desire to know himself. Your conception of yourself automatically determines the velocity necessary to express that which you have conceived yourself to be. The world is an ocean of liquid light in countless different states of crystallization. The breath of life. Did the prophet Elijah really restore to life the dead child of the widow? This story, along with all the other stories of the Bible, is a psychological drama which takes place in the consciousness of man. The widow symbolizes every man and woman in the world, the dead child represents the frustrated desires and ambitions of man, while the prophet, Elijah, symbolizes the God power within man, or man's awareness of being. The story tells us that the prophet took the dead child from the widow's bosom and carried him into an upper room. As he entered this upper room he closed the door behind him, placing the child upon a bed, he breathed life into him, returning to the mother, he gave her the child and said, Woman, thy son liveth. Man's desires can be symbolized as the dead child. The mere fact that he desires is positive proof that the thing desired is not yet a living reality in his world. He tries in every conceivable way to nurse this desire into reality, to make it live, but finds in the end that all attempts are fruitless. Most men are not aware of the existence of the infinite power within themselves as the prophet. They remain indefinitely with a dead child in their arms, not realizing that the desire is the positive indication of limitless capacities for its fulfillment. Let man once recognize that his consciousness is a prophet who breathes life into all that he is conscious of being, and he will close the door of his senses against his problem and fix his attention solely on that which he desires, knowing that by so doing his desires are certain to be realized. He